0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Mm -hmm. Today we are beginning this sermon series on the Ten Commandments. And before we jump into that first commandment and talk about what God is saying to us, I thought it might be a nice way to review the Ten Commandments by having Jesus introduce them for us in Matthew chapter chapter 22. Jesus demonstrates how the law is not meant to hurt us, Or make us frustrated as much as it is to remind us of his love. And when we see God's love for us, it's then that we demonstrate love for our God and for others. Listen again to Jesus' words in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Maybe you thought about it as I began the service this morning. Oh great, a summer sermon series on the Ten Commandments. As if I don't already have enough reason to feel guilty, now we're going to spend the entire summer talking about what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. Did you hear Jesus' words? You see that the Ten Commandments are a lot more than God's opportunity to wreck our fun and ruin our weekend. It's about love. Jesus summarizes the entire law with two statements about love. And that's what his Ten Commandments are all about. It's the summary of his Ten Commandments. As you think about that today, we talk, I entitled the sermon series, The Big Ten. And I'm not the first person who ever called God's commandments the Big Ten. But it has a little special meaning, doesn't it, when we live in Madison and one of the schools that is right here in Madison, right down the road, is a member of the Big Ten. Did you know this, though? That the Big Ten isn't 10 anymore? That there are actually 14 schools now in the Big Ten? That's regular members. Did you know there's also two associate members? If you're a hockey fan, You might know that Notre Dame is also in the Big Ten. And I bet you there's a lot of men's and women's lacrosse fans out there. Yes, John Hopkins University is also a part of the Big Ten during the lacrosse season. But here's a question for you, just to see what kind of students and members we have here this morning. Could you, if I asked you to, identify the four schools that were not original members of the Big Ten? They're all on the screen, by the way. See, I'm going to help you win a trivia contest later today. You can shout them out if you know them. Anybody know one? Shout one one out. Rutgers Rutgers is one, right. Rutgers is actually in New Jersey, not an original member of the Big Ten. Penn State, another non-member, right? Nebraska, we're three for three. We just have one left. And Maryland. Look at, see, I knew I could count on all of you for doing that. Just file that away in the back of your head in case you ever need it for a trivia question. Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State, Nebraska. Those are the four non-original members of the Big Ten. Why am I talking about this? Well, just to give you a chance to think about it, I suppose, a little bit. But did you know that in the Bible, God's Big Ten are not numbered? We don't know exactly which was the number for each one of the commandments. It's pretty easy to know what the first commandment was because it's the first one in the list, you shall have no other gods. But did you know that throughout Christianity, from that point forward, the numbers sometimes change as people number the Ten Commandments? If you, like me, learned your Ten Commandments from Luther's catechism, then you know that Luther combined two statements to be the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. You shall not make for yourselves a graven image. That all was included in Luther's first commandment, which made honor your father and mother the fourth commandment. You shall not steal the seventh commandment and so on. And then when we get to Commandments 9 and 10, Martin Luther split the two commands about coveting into two separate commandments. Did you know that elsewhere in Christianity, some people split the commandments at the front? So you shall have no other gods as commandment one, you shall not make for yourselves a graven image as commandment two and then at the end they combine coveting into one commandment. I only tell you this because someday somebody might say to you, well, you shall not murder as the sixth commandment and you're going to scratch your head and say, I'm pretty sure I learned that as the fifth commandment and here's the thing, you're both right. Because God never numbers the commandments 1 through 11. We know from Exodus, chapter 34, that Moses received the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets and they're called the Ten Commandments. But here's the point. What they're numbered makes no difference at all. What God wants us to see this morning through the words of Jesus is the heart of those Ten Commandments. And the heart of those Ten Commandments, as Jesus describes them, is the word love. So as we think about Jesus' words today, let's use those words to drive home this truth that love summarizes the law. You heard Jesus' two statements. It's first loving God above all else and then loving our neighbors, loving others as ourselves. Let's put these words briefly into context that appears that this conversation with the Pharisees happened on Tuesday of Holy Week. Yes, just three days before Jesus was put to death. And you remember that the Pharisees and Sadducees, the other teachers of the law, were constantly trying to bring tricks to Jesus. They were trying to trick him into saying something that they could use to discredit him. And so it was a Pharisee one of the experts in the law, who came to Jesus and said, which commandment of the law is the greatest? It's a little tough, I suppose, to to really understand exactly what they were trying to get Jesus to say to see if they could discredit him. But it appears that maybe they were trying simply to have him rank items in the law and therefore downplay other parts of God's law and thus not be faithful to God and his word. You see what the Pharisees did? They were all about legalism. They were all about obeying every single letter of the law. As a matter of fact, they even took those laws and they added different penalties to them depending on what day of the week it was and how you did things. It was all about keeping the law rather than what was behind the law. The Pharisees were not at all about obedience to the law but What should happen if the law was broken? And Jesus' answer to them demonstrates very clearly that their thoughts and their hearts were in the wrong place. Jesus answers the question, doesn't he? Which law is the most important? Which commandment in the the law is most important? And in his answer, Jesus demonstrates that it is love. Love is the recipe for a beautiful life with God. And it's first all about God's love for us. Jesus goes right to the source of God's word, Scripture. He uses a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love. Love for God. That's what's at the heart of the commandments. But I don't want you to gloss over a phrase in that passage. Love the Lord your God. Isn't it amazing that God says that? That in the midst of giving us his laws, he calls himself our God, your God, and my God? That God's desire is not to give us something that's going to make our lives miserable, but to give us opportunity. Opportunity first to see his love for us and then show that love for him and for others. Three times, three times Jesus uses the word whole. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, and with your whole mind. And in saying it that way, Jesus is reminding us that everything that we have, everything that we are, is a gift from God. And everything that we have and everything that we are is meant to respond to God in the love that he showed us first. John said it so well, didn't he, in the reading that we had before in 1 John, chapter 5? He said love for God is obedience and God's commands are not burdensome. What went through your heart and mind when you heard the Apostle John say that? God's commands are not burdensome. Doesn't always feel that way, does it? Doesn't it feel as if we hear the Ten Commandments like this weight that presses down on us? This is what God requires of me? This is what I'm supposed to do? How can I? Each one of us could say today, but I haven't. I haven't loved God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. So, now what? Isn't this what makes God's love for us all the more amazing? That when God says, keep my commandments, love me above all things, love others as yourselves, and we have to say, We haven't and we can't, that God says, I still love you? The Apostle John, the one who wrote that God's commands are not burdensome, called himself in his gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he wrote these words in that same first epistle, this is how we know what love is. Christ gave his life for us. That's how we stand before God. Not because we can love perfectly but because Jesus already loved perfectly in our place. You stand before God holy and blameless not because you've lived a blameless life but because a blameless life was lived for you. And that same Jesus who lived that blameless life for you took on himself every failure, every sin of yours and mine, it's erased erased in the blood that he shed on the cross. That's how we know what love is. And when we see God's love for us, that's what leads us to love him and then show love for one another. That's the second law that Jesus quoted for this Pharisee who came to him with that question, which commandment is the greatest in the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. In another parable that Jesus told, the parable of the Good Samaritan, he defined for us what it means to be a neighbor. It's to take care of anyone who is in need so anyone and everyone is truly our neighbor. Again, Jesus is quoting from Scripture, this time from Leviticus chapter 19, when he uses these words, love your neighbor as yourself. Perhaps you noticed that in both of those statements, the very first word is the focal point. Love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and us through these words is that love for God starts with God's love for us. And then when that love for God fills our hearts and fills our lives, it will spill over into love for others. Maybe you've seen some of these billboards around. They're quotes from God. This is one of my favorites. That love your neighbor thing, I meant that. It's kind of clever, I suppose you could say, because if you think about the way life is in our world, boy, we could use a lot more of that, couldn't we? Don't we live in an age where you simply can't even disagree with someone anymore without having anger or hatred toward them? If someone doesn't share the same opinion about something as you, rather than sitting down and talking out our differences or being able, at least, to demonstrate love to each other, there's instant dislike, polarization, depending on what side of the aisle you are on in one issue or another. No wonder why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. What a beautiful message God gives us in his word. In, in that very law, love your neighbor as yourself, God is giving us again that opportunity to live a life that's happy, joyful, filled with God's blessings in this life. I know we can't make everyone follow that. No billboard is going to change people's hearts to say, now you should love everybody as you love yourself. But maybe it starts with us with people who know the love of God, to imitate and practice the love of God for us as we demonstrate love to others. Maybe replacing thoughts of anger and hatred with a prayer, with love for someone else, with an idea of how can I demonstrate the love of Jesus to that person? Who knows? Maybe God can use each one of us to make a difference in this world to demonstrate that love to bring people to an even greater love, the love of our Savior Jesus. John described it well in that same epistle, First John chapter four, when he wrote this, "Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen." It's love for God that becomes love for others. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us when there's an absence of God in the world, there's going to be an absence of love for one another. But it's love for God that leads us, strengthens us, and motivates us to love one another. Before we get to the end of the sermon, I I thought it would be important just to stop and focus on a phrase that that maybe we, we gloss over in Jesus' words, to love your neighbor as yourself. Is that last phrase, as yourself, sometimes overlooked? I'm going to say something that might at first sound very strange. God wants you to love yourself. I don't mean that from some sort of pat myself on the back, how great I am. I'm everything that God wants and more. There's no ego involved in loving ourselves. That's not what Jesus is saying. But is it possible that at times, we look at other people and we want to apply the love of God to them but then struggle to apply that same love of God to ourselves? That sometimes we forget that God sees us through the blood of Jesus as his own children, people who belong to him, heirs of eternal life. And so God says to us, take those words, take those words of my love for all people and remember that I love you. And in that same love that God loves, with which God loves us, we can love ourselves and each other. It's God. It's God's love for us that provides that motivation for us to see what Jesus was willing to do, give up his very life. And when we see that love, we want to love and revere our Heavenly Father. We want to show his love and imitate that love in the way that we love each other. Perfect love drives out fear, Jesus said. And that perfect love was already lived for you and me on the cross of Christ and in his empty tomb. And it's your guarantee that you stand before God, holy, blameless, loved, and an heir of eternal life. Next week, we'll begin our study of the first commandment and go throughout the summer studying the commandments. But I thought it was important today just to at least summarize a little bit what we were about to get into and the focus of those Ten Commandments. So take these thoughts away from you, uh, with you today, from the Ten Commandments and the summary of the law. Number one, the Ten Commandments are all about love. God loved us first. He reminded the Israelites of that love before he gave them the law, that he'd carried them on eagle's wings, and he reminds you and me that he loves us, too. Secondly, the Ten Commandments are all about love. We love God because he first loved us. When you hear the commandments and you question whether God truly loves you, just look to the cross of Jesus. If you ever question God's love for you, Jesus leaves no doubt how deeply God loves you as he sacrifices himself for your sins and mine. Number three, the Ten Commandments are all about love. We show love for God when we love each other as ourselves. God loves us. We love God. We love each other. And as we live our lives in love in this world, God will use us. He'll use us to make a difference in the lives of others as he leads us to our heavenly home. I wish I could tell you this is easy. I wish you could walk out the doors today with me and just have no problems for the rest of your life living the life of love that God wants you to live. We know how hard it is. In his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote this, that we are to speak the truth in love. It's hard to do both of those things, isn't it? Think about the Pharisees. They were all about the truth. They wanted people to know the truth. Before the word was ever created, or the phrase was ever created, it was the Pharisees who perhaps were the original droppers of truth bombs, right? They just wanted people to see how bad they were and how great the Pharisees were. But love, love is at the heart of the law. It's what God wants us to see, that his love for us is what drives everything. It's God's love for us that allows us to love one another. And when we speak the truth of the Ten Commandments, my goal over the next weeks is to do so in that same love of God. To recognize our need for a Savior and then to remember that Jesus already took our place. Speaking the truth in love. The truth is, we can't obey God's commandments. But in love, God said, it's already finished in your place. That's how Jesus summarized the law. With that one word, love. And you can be assured that you are loved today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.